Hey everyone, welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin, and today we'll be covering Japanese bonus track Giant off of Contra, Vampire Weekend's second album. This song is very interesting in the sense that I don't know if it really has much of an in- intention. I feel like it might just want to be fun sometimes and throw some stuff around and experiment. And I I get the impression that a lot of these Japanese tra- bonus tracks are stuff Vampire Weekend's more experimenting with. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, this is the closest thing to like a straight up word association I think we've seen mm-hmm. out of the band. Um, we talk about Bob Dylan, the famous songwriter, um, all the time on this show, or at least we've, we've talked about him a few times <laughs> on the show. And um, he was a big fan of that. We know Ezra's a big fan of, of his. And I think there's a little bit of that here. Uh, the setting seems clear, and we'll get into that in a moment with the first little verse. Um, but I think when you do a kind of like a word association song here, it's kind of like you're establishing a setting. I think of Blinded by the Light by Bruce Springsteen, for an example. We think of somebody in their youth, and it's all these little themes being thrown around, but there is kind of an idea of where this person is. And I think we kind of have that here as well. Mm. See, I don't know. I thought that at first, too. But there, there's some stuff in here that makes me think it might be a different setting than initially thought. But okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that and for I, sure. I, I think there's a part of that that could mix up a little bit as well. Um, mm. One thing I do, I mean, we'll get to this hopefully at some point, but I'm curious why this song is called Giant. So uh, it's think... initially called Young Giant. Um, oh, um, apparently they changed the name to avoid confusion with some movie called young giant okay i don't know what that really adds i feel like it confused me yeah the young giant um i mean if we get into this first verse here you're looking at somebody dreaming about reading thrasher wanting to be a california teenager i could see somebody purporting themselves as being a young giant some kid just dreaming um, we can also talk about how that first line is, I'm almost certain it's a, it's a, not a ripoff, but a, a reference to Juicy by Biggie Smalls, yes, for sure. which is just a great track. For sure. um, it was all a dream. I used to read Thrasher magazine, looking at pictures of skateboarders. Then we get that California, which is <laughs> wonderful. Great I can't sing, by the way, folks. <laughs> yeah. But this song is a beautiful start to it. We get a great bass line coming in. Um, I actually just listened to the song in stereo with my headphones on for the first time and the horns are like echoing around. Like it sounds really cool. I like that. Yeah. The the horns are my favorite part of the song and it took me so long to figure out what it was reminding me of. And I just sent Kevin this like 30 minutes ago. It reminds me of young by Alphaville um, from the eighties. Just the horns. They're almost like digitized to where it's more choppy and less clean. Um, it, it's, it's this weird sounding, but it works for this song. I almost think they had to have done that on a synth because you're yeah. right, it is so, it's so tight. Yeah. Um, for those folks who don't remember, this is the uh, scene that plays at the dance in Napoleon Dynamite. Great song, great song, great film. Um, I could go on about that, but that's not why we're here today. Um, so let's... Let's get into this, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, the first verse, 
directly references uh, Biggie uh, with Juicy. It was the Juicy lyrics are, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, Salt and Pepper and Heavy D up in the limousine. And then the Vampire Weekend lyric, it was all a dream. I used to read Thrasher magazine, looking at pictures of skateboarders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's fitting that we've covered Pizza Party before this because it almost has a kind of rap flow because the next verse or next line is also a rap reference. Is and, this really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. And so, so it's almost like Ezra tried to infuse a, a little bit of his rap persona into it. Yeah, you could imagine a situation in which Ezra's growing up with old school hip hop and he's like, I want to be a rapper someday. Uh, he definitely tried it. I mean, we know that. Uh, we have recorded proof that he tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of put this setting, at least this first part of the song, as like some kid dreaming in their bedroom. Like, when I grow up, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And I think that's that's something that we can True. all relate to. True. And I forgot to mention this at the start of the pod, but feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't say uh, celebrate the national holiday today. Of course, we're talking about the killers on time crisis. Yeah, I haven't big, listened big yet. Big national holidays is, that th- everyone is celebrating. I, I this, see it all over Instagram. So Seinfeld says he's been excited for this episode since last February. Yeah, well, um, we're, we're definitely really excited for this one. Um, so glad, glad the nation is celebrating with mm-hmm. us today on this Sunday. Um, so back to the song. Uh, so envy me, SOS, LAPD, docking the yacht in such low waters. Alice, I can't do it. Alizone truck. Does that, okay, does that word mean anything? I found a I letterboxed so account called Alizone truck. But other than that, I thought it was like a town in Rome or something and I couldn't find anything or like the Greek empire. Um, what made you think that? Because the chorus is a reference to a poem from um, th- the time when Caesar and Pompey had a civil war and the Roman civil war. Interesting. Okay. I didn't find anything on the, on the uh, yeah. chorus. And then I'm also, glad you did the yacht so like i thought they were like taking a european cruise on a yacht or Mm -hmm. something like that that's where i think the setting might be a little mixed up yes but it's that line is a reference to the game uh or 50 cent in the game song hate it or love it okay um, in which he says go ahead and be me i'm raps mvp i ain't going nowhere so you can get to know me and Vampire Weekend's version is so envy me SOS LAPD docking the yacht in such low waters. Um, so yeah, it, the first line definitely definitely parallels the rhythm of it all. Um, so I saw somewhere that SOS was a program within the LAPD. I couldn't find anything on the, if that program still exists or what it is um it was like a program for um at at risk kids or something interesting Um, so i i think it was just alliterations they found that mirror the lyrics of um of the game's version yeah i think 
with the MVP thing, and then you have this LAPD kind of a kind of writing mechanism there, and then yeah, to the abbreviations. Yeah, and like it that. does throw back to the California um, mm-hmm. referenced with Thrasher magazine and skateboards and all. Um, and you could definitely have yachts in California. I mean, that's that's a thing, you know. So I think mm-hmm. I still think the setting is fairly clear here. Um, and we've talked about how Contra as an album was supposed to kind of be in that set. Mm-hmm. So I think so far it quote unquote makes sense. Where is Spiral Jetty? So that's interesting. Do you want to get into that now or do you want because that's in Utah? Interesting. The second the second verse is a lot more out there. Yeah. Okay. I I feel like we should end with the chorus. So let's let's dive into Robert okay, great. Smith's in so, Spiral Jetty. Lead the way. So yeah, for sure. Um at the duty free. This struck me because where's the only place you see a duty free shop? Airport. Exactly. So they're leaving. They're going somewhere. And I think that struck me. Um hmm. I don't think it's clear where our characters are going here, but I'm not aware of a duty-free shop outside of an airport. Um, and then, of course, you see gifts of wine in Hennessy. That's you see liquors, you know, tobacco, those sorts of things at duty-free shops. Expensive luxury items. Um, so it makes sense to have that here. Beautifully made from such fine waters, Robert Smithson. So the such fine waters thing that doesn't really have anything for me. You know, you have any idea on that? I thought it was in reference to the wine in Hennessy being cheap and made from like not great water. And it was an ironic line, but I was kind of grasping at straws there. It could be. Okay. All right. I don't have anything else on that. So if you're no. good with that, then I am. So let's talk about Robert Smithson, an ancient scene, spiral jetty, favorite cheese, leaving the rocks in such blind order, Coliseum. So Favorite cheese in Coliseum, I'm not really sure about. But we can talk about Robert Smithson here for a while. And Mm -hmm. as I was getting into this, I realized that in this research that we've done for these songs, we've come across so many different types of artists, obviously musicians. Um, We've talked about writers of books, writers of films, uh, which makes sense. You get a lot of that in music. And then we have actual visual artists. And then we have guys like Robert Smithson. It's a guy who was born in Passaic, New Jersey, spent most of his childhood in North Jersey. He identified as a painter for most of his life. Um, had a variety of influences. The Spiral Jetty is a little bit different, though. That's where we get into some of his other influences. So he was influenced by a gentleman named Frederick Law Olmsted who was a landscape architect around the turn of the 20th century. He designed uh, the Central Park in New York City, Manhattan, and also much of the public land in Chicago's South Side. And Robert Smithson was really fascinated with Frederick Law Olmsted's take on Central Park. Kind of this idea of this beautiful natural space in a very public, very densely populated metro area. And he was particularly interested in the intersection of how 
that place changes over time and how people interact there over time. Because if you think about it, these trees that are planted in this park, turn of the 20th century, they're not mature until Smithson's time, the middle of the 20th century. It's changing through time. Olmsted is creating this world, this park that is going to far outlive him and won't, won't reach maturity until he's gone. Are we still following here? Is this enough? Okay. This is a lot. I, I know it's I, a lot. I was just so interested in this dude. I don't know why I went down such a rabbit hole, but I just <laughs> found this guy fascinating. I was I was um, about to drop a the show rules on you for from Jake, but <laughs> for from TC. But um, go, keep going. I, yeah, I'm, sure. So I'm Smithson <laughs> Smithson uh, identified as a painter, but he also did. Um, some more physical art. He was fascinated with like excavations and wreckage from like construction sites. And he would do kind of stuff like where he would put like, and one of his famous pieces is like shards of like blue broken glass just on the floor of a museum. Like this is the kind of stuff where like you'd see and you like make fun of it as a kid. And like, mm. this is the guy who would do it, but he did it and he put it in a museum and people paid him to do it. So good for him. Um, then we get to the spiral jetty. So the spiral jetty is located in Northern the northern portion of the Great Salt Lake uh, in northern Utah. Great Salt Lake, as we know, is in uh, a basin, basically that collects a bunch of water from that part of the world. It all drains to there. That basin doesn't drain to anywhere else, basically. And the interesting thing about a basin like that, it's obviously incredibly salty. I think it's 27% salinity, which is far greater than what you typically get in an ocean the level of this sort of basin will change over time during droughts, during periods of rain, unlike a lake, which roughly stays the same or the ocean, which obviously is much more consistent. You also have a situation where if we're, <laughs> we're so far down this track, <laughs> I don't even know what to do anymore. <laughs> you have a situation where this salinity is incredibly fertile breeding ground for algae and bacteria. And Smithson was very interested in this idea of like the very beginnings of life, these single-celled organisms beginning in this basin, this incredibly salty, salty piece of water. So he picks this location on the northern part of the Great Salt Lake because of this beginning of new life. Also because there were some old oil rigs in the area. He, again, talked about this fascination with the changes in time, the way that humans want to use this space to extract the natural resource that's no longer there. Uh, he also chose this place because of its proximity to the uh, placement of the Golden Spike on the Transcontinental Railroad. Um, really using my degree here on this episode. Yeah, this, um, this is Kevin's episode, yeah, all in. I, I'm really having a great time right <laughs> now, you guys can tell that. Um, the Golden Spike was driven at the meeting point between the western and eastern legs of the Transcontinental Railroad, which was in northern Utah, just north of the Great Salt Lake. So for all of these crazy reasons, Robert Smithson decided to construct the Spiral Jetty, which is a formation of earthwork that extends out into the lake and then spirals around. It looks like the Wicked Snake logo, really, mm -hmm. but I would encourage you to look up a picture of this. Uh, the dude just basically formed earth from the surrounding area 
into this tight spiral. And it's in an interesting location. Like I said, the level of the Great Salt Lake changes significantly over time. So for many years, this place was completely covered. Uh, as of right now, it is open, but you've got red water from this algae and that bacteria around it. It's obviously very salty. It's just a very strange, bizarre scene. Um, so if we take that in mind, and we go back to our verse, an ancient scene, spiral jetty, favorite cheese, leaving the rocks in such blind order, Colosseum. We have a little bit of context here. What Nico, is that context? Feel? What is that context? No, I mean, I, I think, I, I guess, I don't know. I've been thinking about this too much. I'm in the weeds here. Um, I think when you think of an ancient scene, the pictures of this place, you look out and it's this very strange image of this spiral rock formation mm -hmm. out over this big lake. I think oh, of yeah, like I've Stonehenge it. almost. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's very cool. I, I thought of Stonehenge when I read the verse, leaving the rocks in such blind order, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, and I, I I think that's kind of what ties it together. And then we get the reference to the Colosseum, which, again, another old world-like image. Someone out in song meeting suggested that it could have been the LA Colosseum, which I mm -hmm. certainly hope is not the case. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I like to think he's trying to say the spiral jetty is like as big a wonder as the Colosseum. Which is, yeah, it's interesting. And again, it could kind of play into this theme of just things changing through time. I mean, we, we revere Stonehenge because we, we understand that people put those rocks there in a specific place, even though they just happen to be rocks in a field. And a thousand years from now, if someone finds a spiral jetty, you'd like to think they'd think the same thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. But favorite cheese? Cheddar, obviously. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that's there. It's just very, it's weird. It, it, to me, it almost goes back to the gifts of wine and Hennessy. Like you think of mm -hmm. like fine edible things and then like fine cheeses, I guess, would kind of mentally yeah, go with that. Maybe they're drinking and eating while they're looking at the spiral jetty. I Could be. I don't know. I, I should bring up, there was one comment by someone trying to analyze the song, whereas I think the song isn't supposed to make sense, but a collective amount of words. I don't think it's meant to be anything than fun to listen to. I enjoy singing the song. And it's like, fair. <laughs> yeah, it, it really could mean nothing. Like there's a lot of little things in here that probably mean something, but collectively there might not be anything. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's really a story here. I think it's a uh clattering of of screenshots of of like pictures, right? And so every line and every verse is kind of just a different image that is painted. But Yeah, I think it I don't know. Go ahead. It it might it might be linked in some ways. Um definitely has to do with California. But how so? Not exactly sure. Yeah, I think I think it makes sense if this wasn't an official album track because I think overall it kind of carries the same aura as the rest of the album. But if we're attempting to 
go about that those themes of kind of conflict and just kind of listlessness that the rest of the album goes after I think this would kind of misconstrue that meaning a little bit if this was included as a proper album track for sure and then the chorus we'll dive into um now it's a different game 80 percent still agree the winning cause it pleases god the losing cause pleases me that last line the winning cause it pleases god the losing cause pleases me is a reference to a quote the victorious cause pleased the gods but the vanquished cause pleased cato uh, by farsalia or no the the poem is farsalia by lusan um, and so this was during the Rome, um, the Roman Civil War between Caesar and Pompey, and Cato was this this stoic figure, um, an ideal in the face of a world gone mad during this civil war, um, with Caesar being super like cruel and uh, evil, while Pompey is just this like not that effective at what he wants to do um, and not a great leader. But Cato is kind of the, the perfect example of what they should look towards. Um, but it's, it's showing that even in the face of vanquishment, it's still the losing cause still pleases him because he's the stoic figure who just accepts what comes. Um, so I, I think this reference probably comes down to Ezra just wanting to put, push some more literature into the song lyrics like he always does. Um, yeah, you, you, you might I really right. have no idea like how to include a stoic figure into this. Maybe it's kind of relates to the spiral jetty being stoic and awesome. Mm. Uh, awe-inspiring but yeah to me it to me it kind of reads like a like a death to self kind of thing almost mm-hmm. um which is cool um that's the thing all these little things are feel very vampire weekend like we're mm-hmm. not like out of place here it's just a lot of little things like this whole song i mean each of these little things you talk about could be an entire album itself like mm-hmm. there's just so many different contexts that's kind of why i wanted to go in that whole thing about smithson is because all of it felt very VW. It all felt like the sort of things that Ezra would be interested in. Definitely, definitely. Um, now it's a different game. 80% still agree. That's that I'm unsure. I really cannot pull much from. I saw someone theorize that 80% of people believe in God. And so it leads into the next line. Um, interesting. Which is interesting, the next line, it changes the winning cause pleased the gods, because it was talking about a Roman empire, um, to the winning cause it pleases God in the singular sense. Um, so it's kind of adjusting the quote for modern times. Um, so maybe it's just the fact that Ezra is kind of agnostic in the sense that that he has the stoicism about whether mm-hmm. God's there or not. Because this yeah, is early Vampire the, Weekend, so. 
it would have yeah it would have been an acceptable theme at that time mm-hmm. uh, for the band. Uh, just throwing out a random statistic like that in a song is just so funny to me. It's like we have nothing to go off of. It reminds me of um, the Blue Oyster Cult song "Don't Fear the Reaper," where at one point the guy just says forty thousand men and women every day, and like mm-hmm. there's no context, absolutely no context. <laughs> Somewhere, someplace. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of the song that I. I do not know, but you know, that's some of the beauty of it. Um, I, I agree that every single verse is very Vampire Weekend in the song. And if that's what they were going for, God bless them. Good for them. They, got, they, they gave us a fun song to listen to because at the end of the day, this is a very pleasant song to listen to. Like mm-hmm. the lyrics only comprise probably half the song. There's a lot of great True. little musical things going on. The horns are amazing. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's very enjoyable, fun song to listen to, um, and yeah, I don't I don't have anything else on it. Do you? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, we can leave it at that. <laughs> so, favorite lyric? Um, I like the way he says Robert Smithson. That <laughs> just, I, just I, that two words. Robert Smithson. Yes. Okay, good. Um. I'm going to go the winning cause that pleases God, but the losing cause pleases me. That's really good. Yeah. Top five. This life. Stranger. Harmony Hall. Holiday Unbelievers. Flower Moon. Unbelievers, spring snow, unbearably white, stranger. There's a good amount of variety between us. Yeah. I forgot about stranger, by the way. That's tough. <laughs> well, next week. <laughs> Remember when we covered stranger back in like week six and we were like, this is going to stay. Like, this is top, top. Stranger was October 11th. It was a mm. long time ago. Yeah. We, it we is saying, it is one of my favorites it's probably it it's top three i just totally forgot about it today it's like <laughs> when an ap poll voter just forgets to vote for a team oh that's always great well we had yeah. some football talk it's had to get some college football in there <laughs> like yeah i forgot to uh, vote for an this week yeah uh, a month a month removed from from college football season we're still we, get, we fcs is like on. soon though we get True. more college football yeah True. speaking of sports um for the hat of the week, uh, I decided to use the Chicago Cubs hat um, because I saw an ad somewhere about opening day. I have no idea when that is. I don't care about baseball. It's happening at some point, so why not? <laughs> it's typically a late March, early April occurrence. Almost why like, is almost being advertising for this already? Because they show a few games a week. They get they get to push their product. They start pushing the Masters in like November. Like mm. they're like, hey, just in case you forgot, this is happening. Man, we're and I mean, I'll eat it up. I mean, it's great. <laughs> we're we're going bonus track to bonus track right now. We we got ladies of Cambridge here. Okay, the one thing I'll say, I I kind of forgot about ladies of Cambridge. There's all this Vampire Weekend is an American ska band. Ladies of Cambridge is a ska song. Oh, for sure. Like Definitely. this is great. Yeah. So next I'm excited week, about we'll, this one. We'll reaffirm that there's Scott and maybe we'll 
we'll edit the Wikipedia page to, to get it be a ska band again. Whoever whoever was editing it like got like banned. an email from Wikipedia saying yeah. like don't do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'd get banned right away. But you know, I yeah, don't have much reason to edit Wikipedia, so maybe I will. <laughs> um, so tune in next week for Ladies of Cambridge. Thanks for joining us. Have a good week. Take it easy, guys.